You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, well, if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number five, please. The book of Genesis, chapter number five. And as you turn to Genesis, we're also going to be reading out of the book of Hebrews today, Hebrews 11. So we're going to go to a couple different places and uh, read about uh, a man that's an example to us in the Word of God. And I believe it will be a blessing for us to be able to see something that's going to help us in the day and age in which we live. In the book of Genesis, chapter number five. Well, if you would, just, just for kind of uh, to set the stage in Genesis chapter number five, I want to preach on the thought today on walking with God in a sinking world. Walking with God in a sinking world. Well, I tell you, as we look around us today, uh, it's hard to escape the chaos that's going on in our very own country, isn't it? And the things that you see around us, it's just... Uh, very disheartening and it can be very discouraging and I know that you don't come to church to be reminded of if you're if you're like me uh, you don't you, you watch very little news because uh, man it gets so negative and frustrating sometimes uh, so I, I don't want to uh, say a lot about it but I do just want to acknowledge the fact of, of where we are uh, and I am an optimistic person and I do believe uh, that we're going to see it get better but when you understand that uh, that what's going on in our country, uh, uh, George Soros, for instance, uh, I think, think is the president of his, uh, of his organization, said that you're beginning to see the fruit of 25 years of uh, work and, uh, or investment, a, a payoff of the investment they've been putting in for the last 25 years. And if you go back and study in our country, and this hasn't been political, it's just been factual, when I talk about the fact that uh, going back 100 years, uh, the communists uh, and their, their work in this country uh, is, again, coming to fruition. And always remember this, the issue, uh, I think the old, the old communist saying is that the issue isn't what the issue is, uh, the issue is the revolution. The issue is never the issue, the issue is the revolution. And so whatever issue they can make into revolution. And again, not spend a lot of time on that, but the point that I'm trying to make is, uh, we, it's a crazy world, there's a lot going on in our world, and I do believe it may and very well may possibly get better and us recover, but we gotta know there's gonna be a, it's gonna be a battle to get it back to that. And regardless, we know that the day is coming. The one of the reasons there's been so much uh, preaching and teaching on Bible prophecy recently is because a lot of the things that are happening are things that fall right in line with Bible prophecy. Now, I'm not telling you that it's the apocalypse. The apocalypse is the re revealing. That means the revealing or the unveiling of the Son of God. Uh, that's not yet here. Uh, I do believe it could very well be cursor to that, but I want to be very clear on this statement as well. Uh, I, I believe, therefore, that the Lord Jesus could come today. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ could be today. However, I was preaching that before 2020, amen? I was preaching that it could be today because it is the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be very clear on that. However, it is very uh, interesting the things that are coming about that fall right in line with Bible prophecy. Again, Things have done similar things before, maybe not in our country, and bounced back and gone on for years. It could be years before the Lord comes again. We could go back into a great time of prosperity and recovery. That very well may happen. But the point of the matter is, is that whether there's chaos in this world or not, what are we going to do about it? And we see a man that kept walking with God. In Genesis chapter number 8, for one thing, we see right away kind of a, a sad commentary. It's almost an obituary in a way. Uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, And all the days of Seth were 912 years. 
And what's those next three words? And he died. Look at verse number 11. Uh, the Bible says, and we'll just look again there at the last three words, and he died. Verse 14, and you could just go through all these verses. It's taught, telling us about men who lived and men who died. But then you get to a very, uh, something that really stands out when you get down into Genesis chapter number uh, 5, verse 21, where the Bible says, And Enoch, Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. For God took him. You say, what is going on there? The Bible does not say that Enoch died. And the Bible makes it very clear in the book of Hebrews what happened there. We don't even need to speculate because the Bible answers the question in the book of Hebrews number 11. So if you would uh, please just look at these verses with me because we're going to kind of be preaching out of both of these verses. Enoch is not one of the most famous Bible characters, is he? I wonder even how many people listening have never even heard of the man Enoch. But Enoch is a very significant character and he really has a lot to do as an example of what we can do in the day and age in which we live. So in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, the Bible says in verse number 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. <laughs> uh, folks, I want to tell you what happened to, the, to Mr. Enoch all the way back in the book of Genesis. Folks, he was raptured out before the judgment came. See, Enoch lived in the days preceding the flood of Noah. And he was translated, he was what we would call raptured out before that time of judgment came. The Bible says he was translated that he should not see death. See, he serves as an example. And what the Bible teaches us is just as sure as Jesus came the first time, the Bible says he's coming again. It's revealed to us in the New Testament through the Apostle Paul's writings, especially the mystery which the Apostle Paul reveals is that before Jesus comes to set up his throne and his kingdom on this earth, that seven years prior to Jesus setting up his kingdom on this earth, that he will come back in the clouds and he will call those who have put their faith and trust in him, all the saved of the earth, he will call home, the trumpet will sound, and the rapture will take place. Amen. And it's interesting, isn't it? We know that that's something that was revealed to us clearly in the New Testament, but all the way back in the book of Genesis, God gave us an example of this man. You see, Enoch is a picture of the New Testament church. He's a picture of a New Testament church before the judgment and the wrath of God falls on the earth because he's raptured out. Uh, I want to preach soon about how the ark is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as far as the prophetic picture goes, Enoch is a picture of the church. Noah and his family are a picture of the nation of Israel. Why? Because they're not raptured out and saved from the judgment, but they're saved through the judgment. Just as the Jews will make it through the tribulation period. God will save them and rescue them through the tribulation period and they will come out on the other side as far as, as a nation is concerned. But Enoch, this man, was raptured out. 
And so look again there with me in Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. I guess they looked for him. Because God had translated him. But for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now I'm going to read this next verse to you. And I believe this next verse is familiar to many of us. Where the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Did you ever realize that verse was in the context of Enoch? Did you ever realize that God said, if you want an example of what it means to live this type of faith, to walk in this type of faith, as it says there in verse number 6, with this God-pleasing faith, uh, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Did you know that Enoch was the, uh, the, the proof text? Enoch was the example of this verse? <laughs> Many of us didn't think about that, but he is. So he was walking with God in a sinking world. He was walking an upward path in a world that was trying to bring him down. Force him down. See, we need to keep on walking is what I'm saying. He lived in a difficult time. He lived in a wicked time. But you know what he kept doing? He just kept walking. He didn't just keep walking. He was walking with God. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch walked with God, we read back there in the book of Genesis chapter number 5. And so uh, what are we to do? We're to keep on stepping. We're to keep on walking. We need to keep, stay on a path that will take us higher. See, because the temptation in the day and age in which we live is to get off the path that's leading upward and get down in the dirt. Anybody have that temptation? Man, don't you want to get down in the dirt and you want to mix it up a little bit and so forth? And I'm telling you, there's a time for us to take a stand on this walk and everything, but we've got to be very careful not to be led off of this walk, distracted from the walk and what matters by getting too mixed up in the temporal things of this world, getting drawn into the divisiveness and the divisive nature of what we're facing in our world and in our country in particular. And so, uh, we, so, so we need to learn how to keep walking on higher ground. Because when we look at Enoch, we see some things about him. The Bible says he walked with God. That speaks of his separation. He wasn't walking on the same path that everybody else was walking on. His separation. But not only does it speak of his separation, but the Bible says talks about his reputation. It says he had this testimony that he walked with God. The people there in Genesis said that man walks with God. So he had a, a separation, but he also had a reputation. He had an exhortation. And he had a translation, and we'll see more about that in just a moment. Now, the book of Genesis is very interesting. It's the seedbed, really, for the rest of God's Word. It's especially a seedbed for prophecy. Uh, Hebrews 11, the man that was mentioned before Enoch was Abel. You know what we learn in Abel? That there had to be a lamb that would provide a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. That was all the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter number 4. I mean, then you just go to Genesis, chapter number, number 5, and all of a sudden God's teaching us about the rapture. In Genesis, chapter number 5, you get to Genesis 6, He begins to teach us about the judgment that's coming, that's yet to come on Israel. By the time which I'll mention, wasn't even a nation in Genesis 4, 5, and 6, and, and so forth. 
So Genesis is the seedbed of prophecy. The life of Enoch is a picture of the rapture. Now, Jesus himself said, do you remember Matthew 24, verse 7? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be on the day when the Lord returns. As it was in the days of Noah. What was it like in Noah's day? Well, the Bible describes it for us. It tells us it was a time of violence, a time of rebellion against God, rebellion against God-given authority. It was a time of perversion, of perversion. And it was a time of indifference. It was a time of indifference. I believe when the Bible says that they were marrying and, and given in marriage until the flood came, I believe what the Bible's just saying there is that people could pretty much care less about God or the church or about anything God had to say about things, as it was in the days of Noah. See, Enoch was raptured out in this time of apostasy. See, when you look at the happenings in our world, uh, man, I'm telling you, prophecy has been coming to pass, and it has been for years. One of the main key, keys of prophecy, the reason I said that I have been preaching, by the way, I just got to stop and praise the Lord for a moment. On August the 5th, so just in about a week or so, uh, I will be celebrating 25 years since I preached my very first message. Could you believe that? You're sitting there thinking, man, I thought you'd preach better if you'd been preaching that long. Uh, and I do too. I agree with you. But 25 years. But since I've been preaching and before I started preaching, you know what I was telling people? Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. See, in 1948, Israel became a nation. That was a very big key in Bible prophecy. Israel becoming a nation because in all Bible prophecy, Israel was a nation. Jerusalem was the capital. That just got officially recognized recently. I mean, it's amazing. See, those are the things that were keys to like major Bible prophecy. And everything that we've seen since that time is, is Bible prophecy as well, but it's just extra thrown in. Much of the prophecies that we see are relating more to Jesus' actual return to the earth more than even the rapture of the church and the unveiling of the Antichrist. It's an amazing thing give you a few things quickly here that mark our day that Jesus said in Matthew 24 would mark the end times, all right? And then Paul also talked about these in the epistles. But in, in Matthew 24, he talks about religious deception. Religious deception, verses 4 and 5. Churches, folks, and universities have been under attack from within for decades. It was, there's attack from without, but there's attack from within, especially in like mainline denominations to where there's a hierarchy that controls a great number of other uh, churches or organizations, so they were able to, uh, to, to work their way into these things. It's the, the church has been under attack. We live in a time to where a palatable social gospel has taken the place of sound doctrine. You know, this social justice has entered into the uh, two churches today and into church doctrine. And social justice sounds great. I mean, I believe in justice. I believe in being social. Amen. But, but, but the problem with a lot of what's called social justice is that it oftentimes will divorce itself from the truth of Scripture and of what God says uh, about things. And so, um, but we live in a time where there's a palatable social gospel that's, that's taken the place of sound doctrine. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first. 
And folks, there is a falling away that we have seen for years. And I believe it's just intensified. See, the days of Noah it said it was going to be, there were wicked times. But you know what many churches have done? They have changed the message to make it more comfortable to be in rebellion against God. Uh, I mean, it's an amazing thing. Uh, th th this isn't the greatest example, but it's a pretty good example because we're not talking about a strictly fundamental group here by any means. But it just still shows you something. How many of you uh, have people that you love or care about that are part of the ELCA? I mean, friends, loved ones, uh, you know, the, the ELCA. So the, the, EL, the ELCA, and, and, and they've, you know, again, just, I'll just give you what it is. The ELCA convention recently passed an interfaith resolution. And so you listen out there, if you're listening, uh, in ELCA, I'm not getting mad at uh, ELCA people by any means. I love you, amen, uh, and Lutheran people in general. But I just want you to be aware of what's going on. Uh, the ALC convention recently passed an interfaith resolution stating that we do not know what God thinks of non-Christian religions. In other words, perhaps God accepts it. You know, what, what God thinks about non-Christian religions. A delegate took the mic, uh, God bless him, and he proposed an amendment to this resolution. He said, I don't think that we need to say that, that we don't know what God says about non-Christian religions. And he said, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me. So we know what God says about non-Christian religions. You must come through Christ. This man, his, his proposed amendment was voted down by 97%. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 97% of the LCA convention said, dude, no, we're not going with that. We're not going with that. Um, a Chicago newspaper asked ELCA head bishop Elizabeth Eaton the question, if she believed that hell existed. And her response was, and I quote, well, it may, but I think it's empty. Once again, Jesus said that it was not empty. But Elizabeth Eaton said she believes if it does exist, it's empty. Some ELCA churches are praying to Mother God. You can go to herchurch.org and you'll find uh, some of these prayers to Mother Gotti. Uh, there's a church in California, uh, which is not surprising about California, I guess, but they, they worship our mother that is within us. At, uh, at Lutheran uh, Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, they, at, at, at Lutheran Seminary, they held a, uh, a service commemorating, uh, a commemorating service for Transgender Day, a remembrance in which the transgender minister led the students in the, in the Lord's Prayer, say, beginning the prayer with, Our Mother in Heaven. And I'm just saying that to say that's sad that people we know and love are involved in this type of falling away. And, and, and they've, I believe, long since fallen away, but it just illustrates the extent. But Je So Jesus just simply said, I'm just trying to make the point that Jesus said there'd be religious deception. There's much more I could pick on or, 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 or highlight about that, but that's not what I want to do so much in this service. I'm just saying that Jesus said there'd be religious deception. He said there'd be wars. He said there'd be famines. He said there would be epidemics and pandemics. He said that the persecution of Christians and of Jews alike would intensify. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it is intensifying, both for the Jews and for the Christians in the world today. Persecution is, uh, is increasing. There's a terrible alliance that just recently took place. The oil of Iran and the technology of China, they just recently come together in a pact. 
And I'm telling you, that's a scary thing, isn't it? Uh, but th that doesn't bode well, I don't believe, for the rest of the world and for Israel in particular. There's going to be martyrs, Christian persecution, Jewish persecution, and uh, Matthew 24, 10 through 13, worldwide chaos. Again, all I'm trying to highlight is this. We're reading about what Jesus said it was going to be like, and you look and look around and be like, wow, it's a lot like that. The only thing is, it's going to be a lot worse. It's going to be a lot worse. <laughs> you say, well, thanks for the encouragement. No, just bear with me, all right? Uh, because I'm going to try to tell you, in the midst of all this, looking at a man that by God's grace is walking with God, trying to walk with God, amen? I mean, listen, we don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to be pulled down. Uh, we can keep walking. We can, keep, we can have the joy of the Lord. We can have the peace of the Lord. See, we, we as American Christians forget about what our brothers and sisters around this world have been going through for the last 2,000 years, uh, and that is persecution. What have our brothers and sisters been doing? Brother, they just keep walking. They just keep preaching. We have great. We, we have we have Christians that that have been run out of their uh, run out of their their towns, their communities, their that the land that had been in their family for generations, and, and that are living in refugee camps right now. That have had their 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 families uh, raped and murdered and killed and sold into slavery. You know what they're doing by the grace of God? They're still walking. They're still moving on. They're still doing something for God. And folks, by God's grace, no matter what we face, no matter what a child of God faces, see, Enoch is a champion of the faith because he just kept walking with God in the midst of a generation that was sinking in degradation and heading for destruction. This man, Enoch, this almost obscure Bible character to many people serves as our example in 2020. Uh, the everlasting, almighty God. There's good news. There's not a person that I'm preaching to today that I can't make this statement about. God wants you to walk with him. <laughs> What a blessing. See, he created you. Jesus Christ went to the cross and bore your sins on the cross. And if you're saved, he saved your soul. If you're not saved, he wants to save your soul. You know why? Oh, so that we can serve him, so that we can go to heaven. Well, those are part of it, but if God wanted servants, the angels would have, he could have he, he got a better lot than us, I believe. If he's just needing servants, the angels can do that. No, you know what he wanted? He wanted to restore the fellowship that was lost in the Garden of Eden. God Almighty. I mean, I've been reading Isaiah, and I mean, man, beginning in Isaiah 40, he just reminds those people over and over again, and, and all through the 40s so far, he reminds them of being the creator. He talks about uh, measuring out the seas in the palm of his hand. He talks about measuring the universe with a span. A span is, is an ancient measurement, but it was roughly 18 inches from a man's uh, elbow to the tip of his fingers, a span. Is that a cubit? That's a cubit, isn't it? But anyway, but the Bible says that God measured it out. And I think it, maybe it said he measured it out with a cubit. But the, but the point of the matter is, God Almighty, the Creator, He wants to walk with you. More accurately, He wants you. Amen. Enoch walked with God. Hey, if you don't know Christ today, please don't get bent out of shape about any of the facts I'm reading you. I'm not trying to make a political stand here. I'm just telling you facts of what's going on in the world today. And I'm just trying to let you know there's a God in heaven that wants you to walk with him. Amen. Amen. There's a God in heaven that wants you to know him. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be saved if you're not saved. If you are saved, child of God, what are you going to do? Are you, am I the only one that asks that? I think there's a lot of Christians They say, man, what are we going to do? You know, the world's a mess. I'll tell you what you do. Just keep walking with God. Amen. 
And he'll lead you the way you need to go. He'll help you lead your family the way they need to go. Just keep walking with God. It may go through difficult paths, but just keep walking with God. His grace is sufficient. See, this walk, walking with God, means intimacy. <laughs> Folks, Jesus wants to be a blazing reality in your life. Do you know Jesus today? I mean, do you know him? Is he your Savior? Is he real to you? I mean, you know, it's not like Grandma, that you come to Grandma's house every once in a while. Some people treat church that way. Well, we'll go, go to God's house and go visit Jesus, you know, and see how he's doing, and then we'll go on about our life. No, no, no. God wants you to walk with him. I hope you know Christ. I hope that, that, that he's real in your life, that, 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 that he's walking with you, you're walking with him. That's, he wants you to have intimacy. And, and I'm not talking about uh, emotionalism here. I'm talking about just reality, a fact of what the Bible says. See, this walk speaks of inst intimacy. We ought to be walking with the Lord constantly, not just in church, every day. Walk with God at work. Walk with God at home. Walk with God, surely, yes, at church. Every kind of relationship. Listen, God longs to have uh, you walking with Him. And I believe this is the deepest need of every man is to have this kind of relationship with God. I want to say just quickly, walking with God means that you agree. The Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? In other words, you're going the same direction. What are we going to do in this world of chaos? Just keep walking with God. Why? That means you're going to agree with God and go in the same direction that God goes. We'll know that by the, by the Word of God. Walking with God means keeping pace. It means keeping pace. See, some of you are saying, well, I need to know how this is going to turn out, so you'll try to get way ahead of God. <laughs> and some may be lagging behind God. No, you just walk with Him. See, what the Christian life is really all about anyway is relationship, isn't it? I mean, see, we, we got so many questions, don't we? We have so many questions, and they start with why, when, where, how. And let me tell you something today. There's nothing wrong with being inquisitive. God wants us to learn. We learn by asking questions. But child of God, let me remind you of your greatest question. The greatest question you can ask is this, whom? Who? See, I don't have to know where. I don't have to know when this is going to, you know, resolve or, or how it's going to turn out. Or how, you know, all I really need to know is Jesus. That's all you need to know. Because if we just keep walking with Him, it's going to be all right. See, there's no anxiety walking with Him. There's no worry walking with Him. There's peace. There's joy. So if you feel yourself feeling anxious, an ungodly anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. There is a just anger, believe me. But that just anger, I do not personally believe. I, I'll give you an example of this. I don't believe a just anger is when uh, a, a, a dear member of our church was sitting as a police dispatcher in Sioux City while just feet from her desk working by a window, rocks and bricks are getting chucked at her window. And they're trying to breach, and, 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 and I, you, you know what I want to do? You know what kind of anger? There's a certain anger that should rise up there. I should not say, oh, that's all good. No, that's wrong. It needs to be addressed. 
Uh, I believe there's a right way to be angry about that. But see, I believe the wrong anger crosses in to where I want to load up and pack up and go down there and bust heads, amen. Uh, I, I, I don't believe that's what God wants me to do as, as, as the pastor of this church. Um, now, if you were with me, it come down to protecting her. That, but I'm just talking about, in my mind, it was just an undiscriminate, let's go down there and take, take, take these folks on, right? Um, but that's not what God wants. Uh, that, that's not, there, there's a type of anger that's right there, but there's a type of anger that crosses over and being wrong. Uh, when I think, you know what I think about these days? All this stuff's going out on the internet, and all this stuff's going out on the podcast. I'm going to mess around and get myself in trouble one of these days, but... But I'm just telling you, that's not what we need to do. We need to keep walking with him. Um, so if you're getting that kind of angry, maybe you're getting a little bit ahead of God. Maybe if you're feeling worried, if you're stressed, if you're having trouble sleeping at night because you can't get the, the, the craziness of this world on your mind, let me, let me try to encourage you. Look to him. Amen. Look to him. I mean, keep your eyes on him. He'll bring you through. He'll lead you through. He'll bring you through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. Oh, my friend, listen. Walking with him, walking with God in a sinking world, walking with God means that you agree. It means that you're keeping pace. Folks, walking with God is the path of power. Walking with God is the steps of safety. Walking with God is the of sanctification. So as we consider Enoch this morning, and I'll try to give you my outline in closing. That was all introduction. Yes, it was. I want to try to give you Enoch's example here. Number one, it was a walk of faith. It was a walk of faith. Verse number five, by faith, Enoch was translated. He pleased God. See, he walked with God by faith, and he was translated by faith. Both, it takes faith to walk with God. Romans, Romans 10, 17, how do we get faith? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How do we get faith? The Word of God. That's one reason we need to be in our Bibles daily. That's one reason why we need to... Uh, as, as much as we can, be in church and hear the preaching and the teaching of the Word. Find some good uh, Christian uh, sound preachers and teachers out there uh, that you can listen to on podcasts and, and other means. That'll be a blessing to you. Listen to the Word of God. Read the Word of God. He said, wait a second. Enoch didn't have a Bible, did he? To answer your question, he did not have a Bible as we know it. You want, you want to know something interesting about Enoch? Enoch was a contemporary with Adam. <laughs> See, Adam was 622 years when Enoch was born, just a little past middle age. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you say, how do you figure that? Well, you see, before the flood came on this earth, the, 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 this earth was a totally different environment. There was, in fact, a canopy of water surrounded this globe that we presume filtered out many of the harmful rays of the sun. That's why people lived to be older, trees grew much bigger, animals grew larger, lizards and reptiles grew really large uh, during this time. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but so Enoch was uh, born when Adam was yet to be on this earth for a long time to come. Yet! <laughs> Jude verse 14, you don't have to turn there, but I wish you'd mark it down. Jude 14, the Bible says... And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, 
prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. You wonder if Enoch had the word of God? You know what Enoch was prophesying in Genesis chapter number 5? Revelation 19. He didn't have a Bible as we know it, but God gave him his word. God gave him prophecy. Why are you emphasizing that? I'm telling you that because I'm trying to tell you Enoch's faith came from the word of God because faith cometh by hearing and by the word of God. See, faith is only as strong as its object. I've used this illustration before. Uh, has anybody ever put faith in their old beater car? We've had a lot of beater cars. Uh, I'd say about half my childhood, we didn't even know what it was to have a car, for one thing. When we finally bought a car, I remember my dad bought this old, and it was a sweet car looking back on it. It wasn't really sweet because it wasn't in sweet shape, but it was like a 62 Impala, Chevy Impala. Don't get images of mind of this pretty uh, shiny uh, car. It was, I don't know how many different colors of Bondo and primer and paint that thing had on it. It was a beater, man. I was kind of embarrassed to be in it, but at least I wasn't walking to school, amen, uh, and having to take the bus all the time everywhere we went or just walk everywhere we went or ride, but whatever. But I'm telling you, listen, put your faith in an old car. I think it can make it another mile. <laughs> Dan's looking back there. He's creeping, if I'm not mistaken, on 500,000 miles. Is that right? 380, almost 400,000 miles on his Honda. Uh, um, but he's going to keep pushing it, amen? But there's one day his faith, his faith is going to be, the day's coming. He's going to get mad at me because I'm going to pronounce judgment. And this week is going to be the week. He wants it to see it turn over that 400,000 miles. But listen, there's coming a day that he places his faith in that thing and it's not going to stand. That's the point I'm trying to get to. Does that mean Dan doesn't have great faith? It doesn't matter how great Dan's faith in. His faith is only as good as what he's placing his faith in. Your, your faith when you sat down in that chair today, when you plopped down in that chair today, your faith was only, is only as good as that chair is. You better be good. It was, glad it was a good chair. You see what I'm saying? So faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Let me tell you something else. As I've said, Enoch, no doubt, knew Adam. Can you imagine when Enoch come up and talk to Adam and ask Adam the question, Adam, can you tell me what it was like in the garden? And can't you just imagine as Adam's eyes begin to kind of fill with tears, his jaw begin to quiver, and he says, oh, let me tell you, Enoch, it was absolute paradise. He describes to him all the beauty of the Garden of Eden, but then he just pauses and he says, but there was nothing more grand. There was nothing more lovely or beautiful than when I walked with God. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, chapter number, uh, chapter, I believe it's chapter 3, uh, that Adam, chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, The Lord God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Oh, let me tell you, Enoch, man, the joy that we felt. The fulfillment I felt, the absolute glory, the, 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 the joy. We laughed as we walked through the hills and the valleys and the garden. And I, you say, all oh, that speculation. Do you know all that happened? No, but you don't know it didn't. And all I know is he walked with God, and it had to be pretty awesome. 
See, what I'm saying is he had the word of God. He found out that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. And I believe that just put something in Enoch's heart. See, because I want you to know something today. God wants to walk with you more than you want to walk with him. He wants you to walk with him, I should say, more than you want to walk with him. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. He wants to have a close relationship more than you've ever even thought about having with him. But it takes that effort like it was on the part of Enoch. Lord, I want to walk with you. You know what Jesus said? Blessed is he that hungereth and thirsteth after righteousness, for he shall be filled. I believe Enoch wanted to walk with God. And so I believe God was more than happy to oblige. And let me tell you something. I don't care who you are today. I don't care what you've done. If you, if you know Christ, listen, he wants to walk with you no matter how much you've failed him. No matter how much you've come short, if you're not saved by God's grace, He wants to save you. He wants you to walk with Him. He wants to bless you. He really does. It's a walk of faith. It's based on the Word of God. Oh, my friends, it's a walk of faith. It was a walk of fellowship. I think I've already said enough about that. It was a walk of fellowship. God wants to know, He wants us to know Him intimately. Can I just pause and say, isn't it good to know the Lord? I'm glad I'm saved today. I rejoice so often in this fact, I'm not just some religious guy. And I'm not preaching by and large to a group of people that are just, well, we're, we're, we're Baptist or we're whatever, so this is what we do. No, I know I'm preaching to a number of people whose lives have been transformed by that man. Amen. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's him. And you've got a relationship, and you know what it is. And if you're not careful, you get so hung. You know what you do sometimes? You get so hung up on yourself, you forget about how great he is. And he's looking at you and loving you all the time. And he just, he, every once in a while, he just tries to lift up your chin and say, Son, just look at me. Remember what I've brought you from. Remember what I'm doing in you and through you. Remember that I love you with an everlasting love. Remember, you may be disappointed in yourself. God's not disappointed in you. He knows everything that you're going to do. He loves you. He's ready to help you move on. Get right and move on if you need to get right. It's a walk of fellowship. It's a walk of faithfulness. I've already said this, but Enoch did not walk in an easy time. He walked in a time of apostasy. Jude, I read Jude 14. I want to read verse 15. Well, I'll read 14 and 15. Jude 14 and 15. He, it was a walk of faithfulness. It was a hard time. It's not an easy walk, people. But it's better than walking without him. The Bible says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Now, verse 15, why is he coming? To execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. There was a lot of ungodliness going on. You see that? See, but when Jesus is in our hearts, we have all we need to walk with the Lord, to keep walking. The way sometimes gets hard. But what did Enoch do? He just kept right on walking. The, the, the rebellious of Enoch's day said, said, Enoch, that God of yours isn't real. His word isn't real. You know what Enoch did? He just kept on walking. I think about that sometimes. You've come a long way too late to try to tell me my God's not real. <laughs> Woo, I know him. Amen. <laughs> yes, you're too late. 
You're too late to tell me his word's not real. Way too late because I've experienced what it is to know him. I've seen how true God's word is. Amen. It's a walk of faithfulness. Child of God, be faithful. It's going to get hard, but just stay faithful. Folks, this walk that we're on, the walk of Enoch, it is a walk of faith. It's a walk of faithfulness. It's a walk of fruitfulness. The Bible says there in the book of Genesis that he was 65 when Methuselah was born, and that's when he began to walk with God. Now, a couple things I want to say, and this is my last point, the walk of fruitfulness. He bore fruit. But God told him to name his son something very unusual. He told him to name his son Methuselah. And what Methuselah means is upon his death it will come. Upon his death it will come. Can you imagine naming your kid that? Hey, upon your death it shall come. Give me some water. Upon his death it shall come. Have you mowed the lawn today? You know, that was his name. You ever met somebody named Methuselah? There's some out there. But uh, probably not too many. Now, what's significant about Methuselah? Methuselah, well, there's a couple things. Number one, Methuselah, let's see, how do you phrase this? Methuselah died before his, no, how do you say it? Okay, forget about that. One thing we know about Methuselah, he's the oldest man that ever lived, period. Oldest man that ever lived, ever lived. Why? Because upon his death it will come. Why did God, see, when we talk about the judgment of God, people forget that in wrath, God always remembers mercy. Why was Methuselah the oldest man to live ever? Because upon his death it will come. What will come? Judgment. Literally. When Methuselah died, guess what happened? The heavens opened and the rain began to fall on this earth. And the great flood began. Why did God let him live so long? Because God was giving man the opportunity to repent. God always gives a space to repent. But man yet waves his fist in the face of God and dares him and, and cusses him for not letting him go on longer and further. God always gives the opportunity to repent. I, I wonder if Enoch ever got nervous when Methuselah got real sick and got a fever. Oh boy, i got to keep this boy alive, you know. But what goes on upon his death, it will come. Uh, I bet his mama fed him good and took good care of him because upon his death, it will come. But God let this man live to be the oldest man in the Bible. God gave opportunity. It was a walk of fruitfulness. In other words, he kept bearing fruit. Child of God, here's what I'm just simply trying to say as an encouragement today. Walk with him. Keep walking. Be intimate with him. Get in the word of God. He's not going to force you to have a walk with him, but I, I challenge you. Seek after him. The Bible says, As the heart uh, thirsteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. May God help us to quit getting full and satisfied on the temporary garbage and junk food of this world and get a hunger for God Almighty. A hunger for God Almighty. The best thing you and I can do in this crazy world, this world that's sinking, is just to keep on walking with God. He'll help us to be fruitful. He'll help us to be faithful. He'll enable us to overcome. That's what we do by the grace of Almighty God. Let's all stand, please. If Sonia would please come to the piano. And I, I ask you today, as we stand and get ready to dismiss, 
Do you know Christ as your Savior today? Have you put your faith and trust in the cross of Calvary? Do so today. Oh, listen, if you don't know the Lord, He wants to know you, and He does know you. He knows everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, and you know what? He loves you anyway. He knows everything you've ever thought, but He loves you anyway. He's paid for your sins. Will you today trust Him